for this morning's message, I'm going to need your help. So I hope that you came prepared to shout a little bit. We're going we're gonna, to uh, practice a little bit of interactive preaching this morning. Wasn't it so exciting to get to celebrate with Bonnie as she got baptized this morning? If you were excited, say amen. Isn't it so cool to see that the roof is 99% finished? Say amen. Amen. All right. Wasn't it awesome to hear all of the Convoy of Hope stories? Say amen. Amen. All right. The Bible says to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. One more time. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Come on, somebody. This is such a great verse. I love, I love this verse. I love this idea because we're going we're gonna to talk about it for the next couple minutes. But rejoicing can be the key to your breakthrough. Rejoicing is the key to whatever you're going through. It's the key to that breakthrough in your life. And it's a great verse because it looks great on like an inspirational poster, right? Uh, some people might have it on their coffee, coffee cup. Some people might even have it in needlepoint, like I've got up on, the, uh, up on the screen up here. It's just a great, great verse. Looks great. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. This verse is easy to quote, but it's hard to receive, isn't it? And so we want to we acknowledge that today. I know that some of you came in here carrying some burdens. You've got some things going on in your life. Man, we sent out a couple prayer requests this, this week that are just hard. People that are grieving. People that, that are um, dealing with, with family emergencies, medical problems, things that are going on. People that are worried about how they're going to pay their rent. People that are, that are concerned about all of these different things going on. We had one uh, one lady in the church who um, her her sister had a had a stroke, and her sister's only twenty eight years old, and so it just it, it's hard. There's there are things going on that are just heavy that are that are hard, and so when you see a verse like this, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. It's it's easy to to feel overwhelmed. And to kind of push it off to the side. Be like, well, that fits great on an inspirational poster, but what does it mean for me? And it's not even the big things, is it? Sometimes it's the little things that, that just drive you crazy. Like when you go to grab your coffee and you realize that you let it sit for too long and now it's kind of lukewarm instead of hot. And you're like, oh, this is just, it's not what I wanted, right? It's, things, are, things are just a little bit off. Uh, if your favorite coat is in the wash... You're like, oh, now I have to go out, and, and for me, I, I have one coat that, that I can wear right now, and then the rest of my coats I have to double up on because it's so cold outside. Um, and so if the, the, the one coat is, is uh, clean, then I'm, I'm great. If not, then, you know, I have to wear two coats, and, and that's inconvenient. And so then it's hard to rejoice when things come up that are inconvenient. Um, maybe you went to Starbucks this week and they were out of red cups and you were like, ah, oh, I just, I wanted to get a red cup, but you know, now they're, now they're out of them. And we went to Wenatchee yesterday and, or on, on Friday, they, they had the red cups on Thursday. We went on Friday and they were out of red cups because we were a day late. Um, we did get, we did get one on Thursday, so don't, don't worry about us. But um, I know you guys were all like, oh, we need to get Pastor Jeff a red cup. No, we got our red cups. Um, 
But, but we were hoping for extras, you know. If, there was, if they had any more left, we were hoping we could get other ones. All right, praise the Lord. But then, then there are these major concerns that come up, right? Your, your boyfriend is cheating on you. You find out that a family member has cancer. You can't afford rent. You might lose the house. There are big things as well that are heavy, that are oppressive. And when you're trying to walk through these things, whether it's a small annoyance or a big one, it can be easy to look at that poster on the wall, that needlepoint on the wall or the coffee cup and be like, I see it, but I don't really see it. I get it, but I don't really get it. I know that, I know that Paul says rejoice, but I think I'm just going to push this one off to the side for a little bit. So I don't know what you came in here today carrying. I don't know what your, what your burdens are, but we're going we're gonna to lay them down for a few minutes today. We're going we're gonna to lay those things down. We're going to shake it off, right? Taylor Swift, we're going to shake it off. And we're going we're gonna to rejoice in the Lord. We're going to rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Come on. Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be frightened. Don't be concerned. Don't be, don't be overwhelmed by anything that's going on in your life. But instead, in every circumstance, in every situation, in everything that you're going through, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father, I just ask that for the next few minutes, you would help us to rejoice. Help us to be thankful. Help us to lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross and come to you expecting you to do great things. In Jesus' name, amen. So you might be thinking as you read this, well, Paul, it's easy for you to say. Right? What do, you, what do you know about suffering? What do you know about pain? What do you know about heartache and heartbreak and being betrayed and being, well, man, boy, if you haven't had a chance to read your Bible yet and you don't, you don't know Paul's story, um, let, me, let me give you a few of the highlights here. So first of all, Paul was a person, I, I, in my Bible reading yesterday, we read Acts chapter 7, which is the, the first martyr in the early church. And the Bible says that, that this man, Paul, who was, who was then called Saul, was there overseeing Stephen's execution. So when Stephen, when Stephen was executed, Saul was right there giving approval for what happened. He hated Christians. In fact, he hated Christians so much that he asked the religious leaders of the day for permission to travel to a different city just so that he could hate them more, just so that he could persecute them more, just so that he could get more of them thrown in prison. He hated Christians until God showed up. And all of a sudden, he's, he's going from one place to another. God shows up in his life, bright flashing light, knocks him off his horse, literally. And, and God says, you know, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he gives his life to Christ. And now this man that hated Christians becomes Christianity's biggest advocate in the early church. It's first missionary and it's most prominent missionary. In fact, Saul would go on to write at least half of the New Testament, if not more. He devoted his life then to preaching the Word of God. One of his goals, and he says this in a couple of his letters, was to go to Rome. 
He really wanted to go to Rome and he wanted to preach there because he knew that if he could see people saved in Rome, and especially if he could connect with some of the the higher up officials and things, that that Christianity would take off because, because he knew that he would get to where all of the influential people are. So he really wanted to get to Rome so that he could influence the empire. And he made it, praise the Lord, but not in the way that he expected. Instead, when we, when we find Paul here writing this letter to the Philippians, what we find when we do a little bit of digging is that Paul is under house arrest. So he can't go anywhere. He can't do anything. He's, he's stuck with a guard day and night. People can come and visit him. People can bring him things. And obviously he, can, he has some, some free time to be able to write some letters. But otherwise, he's stuck. And his goal of getting in front of all of those influential people is dashed, right? There's something that he, he, now, the the dreams that he had are in danger of going by the wayside. So how does Paul then, in this situation, write these words that we just read? How does Paul, when he's sitting there under house arrest, it would be so easy for him to think this is over. He didn't know what was going to happen. In fact, early on in Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, I don't know what's better, and I don't know what my future holds. Maybe, maybe I'm going to go, maybe I'm going to be, be executed, maybe I'm going to go and be with Christ, and that would be better for me, but if I stay behind, I know it's better for you. And, it's, and so he's, read Philippians chapter 1, right? He's weighing these things in that chapter. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what my future holds. But I know the one that holds the future, right? So how could Paul tell us to rejoice when he was locked up? It's because he had a perspective of praise. He had a perspective of praise. Your perspective changes how you view something. So this is, this is kind of a, a funny example. How many of you guys remember when uh, Nintendo released the, the Wii console? It was, it was just called Wii. Right? You guys remember that? It had motion controls and stuff. Super cool that, that you, could, you could now, you didn't have to use a joystick to play video games anymore. You could just swing the, the, the controller and you'd be, be playing tennis or bowling or all sorts of different things. It was amazing. One of the things that they did was they had a, a creator that let you, let you personalize um, a, a figure called a, called a me. So you had, you had the, the, the Nintendo Wii, and then you had Miis that were a, like a representation of you. And, uh, and so we, we got one back, this was a lot, you know, when the console was first um, re- released, we, we got one, and it was, it was super fun. So I had my kids all make their own Miis, and this isn't, I, I couldn't find one that we had, but uh, I want you guys to, we're going to go ahead and stop on this picture right here, because I want you guys to notice the nose of the picture. And you see, you see the way it is. And I was like, every one of the me's that my kids made had this pig nose. And I was, I was like, why, why do you guys pe- keep picking that? There's all sorts of different shapes, all sorts of different things that you could do with it. But they always picked the pig nose. And then at some point, I realized when you're three and a half feet tall, and all you do is look up to adults all day long, how do you see their nostrils? What do they look like when, when you're standing up, a, you know, all you see is the pig nose, right? All you see is the nostrils. So your perspective changes things. Your perspective changes the way 
that you view, that you view things. And in the same way, God wants us to have a different perspective. We can go ahead and take that picture off the screen now so that people aren't staring at that. And we can focus back in here. The pig nose, right? It's so weird. Why would they do that? The pig nose. Anyway, it makes sense when you stop and think about it for a second. In Paul's case, and in your case, you're facing something that's heavy. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know how you're going to pay your rent. You don't know what life is going to be like tomorrow or in the days to come. You're worried about whether you're going to be you know, lonely for the rest of your life. You're worried about how, how your life is going to unfold. You're worried about how you're going to pay for things. You're worried about all of these different things in life, all of these different pressures. Some, for some of you, it's, I, I want to be successful, but I don't know how to define success. I've never had it modeled for me. I, I didn't grow up in a good home, in a good environment. And so you're, you're worried, how, how do I know that I'm getting this right? And so there's this heaviness, there's this weight that's on all of us because of that. But what God wants you to know today is that he promises that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. He promises that no weapon formed against you will prosper. He promises that, that whatever you're going through, that he will walk with you in it. He promises that he works all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. Whatever you're going through today, God promises that he's going to be with you. And so in Paul's life and in Paul's situation, he, he uh, changed his perspective and it changed everything about what he was going through. In fact, here's, here's what, what, what Paul wrote and how Paul wrote this. Now, now, Paul looked at his situation and he said, I'm under house arrest. But you know what that means? Is that I've got a guard that's coming in and day and night there's somebody that's chained in that house with me and I have an opportunity for eight hours a day to preach the gospel to him. Now, who's the real prisoner here? right? In fact, he says it. Philippians chapter 1, he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What has happened to me, again, this is, he's talking about his house arrest, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, throughout the whole palace guard, and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. What he's saying here is that the entire palace guard had been cycling through his house and he'd had a chance to witness to all of them. And he'd had a chance to let all of them know about the good news. He, he traded in this negative perspective for a perspective of praise. And it made all the difference in his life. So now when he comes back and he says, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again. Rejoice. What he's saying here is that, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what your situation is, we can praise God in it. Because we know that God is making our way through it. We know, because we know that what God is doing is he's working all things together for good. Amen? Amen. I've mentioned before, and uh, I, I promise that um, this, this building project, you know, we're, we're progressing through it. It's, I, I, I've, I've acknowledged it. I've admitted it. It's been a lot. A lot of decisions, a lot of extra meetings, a lot of extra time spent uh, communicating with different people and stuff like that. And so it's been, it's been a lot. And honestly, it's been a burden for me. And so when, when I was praying about what to preach about, 
was like, well, God, I, I probably need this more than, more than anybody else, but you know, I'll, I'll be faithful to what you're asking me to do. But, but honestly, as I've been studying it out and then have been given uh, numerous opportunities to practice what I'm preaching, um, and I praise, I praise God for those things, but it's been, it's been a lot. It's been, it's been heavy, but I know that God is working in every situation. If we want to make sure that we're doing our due diligence, right? Myself and the board, we, we want to make sure that, that we are studying every possible angle, that we are, we are uh, doing our, our due diligence um, and, and making sure that we're making the right decision here for the church. If you see a board member today, make sure to tell them thank you because they have also put in a whole bunch of extra time into this roofing project. And so make sure to, make sure to communicate to them just how grateful you are that they are uh, working hard to, to make sure that we manage and steward the resources that we have really well. So I've been, I've been trying to, to focus on, on this exact idea that I'm teaching you guys, that when I'm in trouble, when, when it feels like things are, uh, are getting, um, when I'm, I'm getting anxious, when I'm getting overwhelmed, when I'm feeling that, that, uh, that pressure on me to get this right, I've been trying to practice what I'm about to, to teach you guys today, and this is, this is to, to take a step back and to be grateful and to be thankful. And so earlier this week, or actually it was, it was last week, um, we, we, had, we were getting to the end of the roofing project, but, but we have phase two and phase three that we're working on as well. And I was like, I just need a break. I just need to take a step back. I need to, I need to be able to exhale for a, for a couple of days and then we'll, we'll charge back into this. And, and what I was looking at is I was looking at the November and December calendar. And I was, like, I was like, I've got, you know, all of these different events and activities. We want to do this big outreach in December. If it's all on me to lead it, I, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to need to do the, the week between Christmas and New Year's. Hopefully there will be a couple people that are off work during that time that can come and volunteer some hours. And I was like, okay, we're, gonna, we're just going to push off phase two and three a little bit so that I can focus on what I really need to be focusing on instead of, instead of that. And so, so last week I had kind of made my peace with this idea. I was getting ready to present it to the board. In fact, I think on, on Wednesday night of that week I had even communicated to some of the people that were just kind of hanging out before the Wednesday night meal that, that this, is, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm planning. And then God showed up. And on, on Friday of that week, Pastor Tiffany had to take Owen to the doctor. And so, so she's sitting there on her phone scrolling on Facebook. And she sees a Facebook post. And I, I can't say this for certain, but I'm pretty sure that a choir of angels like resonated in the heavens as you know, her phone glowed just a little extra as she came across this Facebook post. And what it was is there's a, a guy in our network that runs a, a team of people that are, uh, it's, it's MAPS, it's, uh, uh, I forget what the acronym stands for now, but it's, it's a group of people that go around and they help churches with construction projects. And what he posted online was, hey, I'm wrapping up, fixing up this parsonage over in Idaho, and I don't have, a, I don't have anything next. I don't know what I'm going to do next. And so, so he posted on the, the network Facebook page. Tiffany saw it. She's like, call this guy immediately. So I did, and I called him, and praise the Lord, November 27th, we're going to be able to start on all of the interior stuff. Can somebody give God a shout of praise? Now, if you, if you want to be involved in that, 
if you have any sort of, if you, can, if you can paint, if you've ever had any experience laying carpet, things like that, fill out one of the Next Steps cards. I don't have all of the details yet, but fill out the Next Steps card. Just mark Building Maintenance on there. You can stick it in the offering box, take it to the Welcome Center. Um, we, would, we, would, uh, we'll, we will be sending out communication as it gets closer to let you guys know all of the details about when we're going to start and what it's going to look like. But basically, he's going to park his RV out behind our building here, and he's going to stay until the project is mostly completed. And, and so he's going to, him and his wife are going to be, going to be working. And I'll tell you guys, if I didn't do a little dance in my kitchen, <laughs> I would be lying to you. Because, because when I got off the phone with him, I, man, there's nobody else in the house. So I'm like, I'm like shouting, I'm praising. I'm like, man, God is so faithful. God is so faithful to come through for us. The, the thing that had, that had been, been plaguing me for a while, that overwhelming fear, that, that anxiety about how are we going to get all of this done and when is it going to come? And, and, and man, in an instant, God lifted it off of me. But do you know what I was doing right before that phone call? Again, there was nobody in the house. I was spending time in prayer. And when, when Pastor Tiffany sent me that message, she sent me a screenshot, she said, you need to contact this guy. I was in prayer at that moment. But, but I've been trying to learn this idea of not just going to God and complaining, but of going to God with praise. And like I said, God has been giving me opportunities to work through this, and this is one of those opportunities that I had. Something that I learned recently, which has is, which is really um, stood out to me, is the, that there are studies that have been done recently on the human brain that say that anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist. That you can't think both thoughts at the same time. That when you're focused on being grateful, you can't focus on the things that you're worried about. And so I've been, again, I've been trying to put this into practice. What does this mean for me. I don't know if you know this about Paul, going back to the, the Bible. And we're actually going to, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to Acts chapter 16, because we're going to sit there just for, just for a minute. This isn't Paul's first time in prison. In fact, Paul has had at least two, maybe more, different stints in prison. He's also been shipwrecked. shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been left for dead. He's, he's been... Uh, um, abandoned. He's, he's experienced all of these different things. And so by the time he gets to kind of the end of his life here and he's writing these words, rejoice, he's been through it. And he's built up that, that muscle that says that I know that God is going to take care of me. Acts chapter 16 is probably his first time going to prison. And I'm just going to give you guys kind of the highlights here. We're going uh, to read verse 25 in just a minute. But Acts chapter 16, so Paul and Silas are on their way to worship God, and they come across a girl who's possessed by an evil spirit. They, they take the time, they take the opportunity to pray for her. God delivers her. It's a miracle. People are like, wow, look at, look at how good God is. But then her, her slave owners realize that because she was working as a fortune teller, they realize that now they can't make money off of her anymore. So they, they get upset. They incite a riot. 
Paul and Silas are arrested. They're not just arrested, but in front of the crowd. They're stripped down. They're beaten as a, as a form of punishment. And then they're hauled off to prison. And maybe you've felt over the last couple months that, that you've been stripped of your confidence You've been stripped of your peace. You've been stripped of your joy. That, that it feels like things have just been, been continually coming against you where, where you don't know, uh, you don't know the, the way uh, that things are supposed to be anymore. It just feels like everything is going wrong. You just feel stripped down, defeated, depressed, anxious, whatever it is. At the same point, you might be beaten down by, by worry, by doubt, by discouragement, by fear, all of these things that are just constantly, you, you go to bed at night, and they're just constantly beating on you. They're just constantly working on you. They're just constantly hitting you over and over and over again. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not smart enough. I don't know how to do this. My, my life is not working out the way I wanted it to. I'm in my 40s or 50s, and, and I don't have anything to show for it. I feel like things are falling apart, and I don't know how to pick up all of the pieces. And so you're stripped, and you're beaten. And this is where Paul found himself physically as he's sitting now in a jail cell. And I don't, I don't know this for sure, but, but when we look at jail cells um, from, from that time, oftentimes... This is a, a room, no windows, one door, jailer sitting at the door. There's no bathroom. There, there's no antiseptic wipes to, to clean the blood off of you from the beating that you just took. He's sitting there, chained to his friend, in the dark, alone. It's quiet. It's cold. And you have to wonder what's going through his mind at this moment. But we actually don't have to wonder because we get to see how Paul and Silas respond to this. But before we get there, I want to I encourage you guys that, that praise, this is, this is what Paul and Silas knew, that praise is the key that unlocks the promises of God in your life. We're going to see this in just a second, but I want, to, I want to get this in your minds. Praise is the key that unlocks the promises of God in your life. That when you are going through this time, and you're going through it, man, if you can turn and you can praise, it's going to unlock something in your life. And here's the reason why. It's because you might not know what tomorrow holds, right? You don't know who holds what, what the future holds, but you know who holds the future. You're not looking at the mountain anymore. You say, what are you looking at? You're looking at the mountain mover. Acts 16.25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So, so they didn't let their situation, they didn't let their circumstance deter them from what they knew to be right. Instead, they took the opportunity they said they were, were, we were on our way to a prayer meeting. We got a little sidetracked. We hit a little speed bump, but we're still going to have the prayer meeting. We're still going to go, and we're still going to spend time with our God. So they're praying and singing hymns to God, and it says the other prisoners were listening to them. So somehow they found a way to push past their pain and to lift their voices to God. And I have to think that then their worship is amplified by their situation. The, 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 the cry of their heart 
You know, their, their, their hearts now are exposed. They're, they're out in the open. And it's like, God, God, I need you to come through for me. It's not just an idea anymore. It's not just a, a concept. It's just not just a nice thing to go through. But now, God, I need you to come through for me. I need you to show up in this moment. The Bible says in Psalm 34 that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those that are crushed in spirit. In Isaiah 41.10, God says to fear not, for I am with you. In Psalm 73, it says, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And it also says that, we, that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God is looking out for you. God is on your side. God wants to come through for you. Can somebody say amen? amen. Suddenly, the Bible says, verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken all at once. All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And now they find in there, in their, in the, I, I can't even describe to you what this prison would have been like, but in the, in the damp, in the cold, in the dark, in the, in the pain, in the, in the suffering that they were going through, all of a sudden, God has provided a way out. All of a sudden, God has opened up the doors, and it happened in an instant. The Bible says that their situation changed. Their situation was reversed, and God came through for them. Our praise shakes up our circumstances. Our praise, when we take the time to come to God in faith, it shakes what we're going through. It changes our perspective so that we can begin to see things happening in a new life. And you know what else it does is it shakes the devil who's trying to come against us, doesn't it? He's trying to steal. He's trying to kill. He's trying to destroy you. But what happens here is you're not leaning on your own strength anymore. I'm not leaning on my own strength. Instead, I'm leaning on the one who has enough strength for all of us. I don't have to worry about my future because I know the one who holds the future. And so when Paul then comes back, and I bet under house arrest he's reflecting back on his other times of captivity, and he's actually thinking, well, this is a little better, because at least I get to be in a house. I get to have people come visit me. Things aren't so bad anymore. And for so many of us, we look back on our lives, we look, back, we look on our current situations, but we look back on the past, and we're like, I've seen God come through for me. This is the power, actually, of being involved in a small group, because you might be going through something for the first time, but there's a community of people here. There's a family of people here that have already been through it. And when they say to you, I understand what you're going through, you can know that they really do understand it. Because at some point in their past, they walked through all of the parenting issues that you have, they've been through it. All of the, the worries about being able to pay your mortgage, they've been through it. All of the, the fears that you experience, they've been through it. And so coming together, having not just, not just knowing that God's on your side, but seeing God in a body, seeing God in the person next to you that can say, hey, I understand, I'm praying for you, I'm believing for you, I know that God has something for you because I've seen him do it in my life, man, that's powerful. That's so powerful in knowing that God is with us. So when Paul then says, and I'll read it again, and I'm going to have the worship team go ahead and join me on stage, when Paul says, Philippians chapter 4, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Can the Lord is near. God is with us. You might not feel like it. It might not, it might not feel like you're, you're, you're uh, you might feel all alone. You might feel like things are, are cold and dark and you're stripped and you're beaten and you don't know the right way, but God is near in those times. And God whispers to you. God loves you in that. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And this with thanksgiving is really the part that we're focusing on today. Because it's all about focus, isn't it? It's all about shifting our eyes from the mountain to the mountain mover. It's all about shifting our eyes from from the, the future circumstance to the one who holds the future. It's all about shifting my gaze from from the circumstance that I find myself in to the one who made everything. And when I learn to do that, this unlocks something in our life. It says, then the peace of God, when we submit our request to God, the peace of God, which surpasses all uh, which, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you're not leaning on your own strength anymore. Instead, you're leaning on the one who has strength enough for both of you. So don't skip over Thanksgiving. We talked about it last week. We said that, that people have decided that Christmas starts on November 1st. And, you know, we're going to set aside one day for Thanksgiving and then we're going to go right back into Christmas. Don't skip over Thanksgiving. Because it's the key, I believe it's the key to your miracle. What happens is praise becomes an act of defiant faith in the face of our circumstances. Praise becomes an act of defiant faith in the face of our circumstances. When we pray, we look at the mountain and then we look past the mountain. When we pray, we look at our bank account and then we look past our bank account. When we pray, we look past the the situation to the one who holds all things together. And in that moment, we're taking a step of faith, aren't we? We're saying, I'm not going to be bound by this circumstance because I know the one who can set me free. What we're going to do today is we're going to take an opportunity to praise And then we're going to go over, we're going to enjoy a meal together, and we're going to celebrate the things that God is doing in our lives. What I want us to do today, though, is as the the worship team leads us, and in fact, before there's even any singing, I want to give us an opportunity in our own words to say praise and to say thanks to God. And you might be facing an overwhelming circumstance. You might be facing, you might have a a family member that is right now sitting in the hospital and you're like, God, I don't know how I can praise during this situation. You might be living in constant recurring pain and you're like, I don't know how how I can praise God in this situation when all I, it takes all I can do just to get out of bed in the morning. You might be living with, with anxiety, with depression, with fear, with loneliness. Whatever it is, we're going to take that, this opportunity this morning to take a step of faith. To take, to, to, and I love that, that phrasing of that quote. It's an act of defiant faith. 
right? To say to my situation, you don't have control of me. To say to my situation that you might be big, but I know somebody bigger. To say to my situation that that you look insurmountable, but I know the one who created everything. And in God's eyes, this is just a blip. To the one that holds the future together, this is nothing. And so I'm going to get my eyes off of my circumstance and I'm going to get my eyes onto him. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand to your feet this morning and let's do just that. Let's lift our voices together in faith and we're not going to focus on what's going on in our life. Instead, we're going to focus on praising God for the things that he has done in our life. If you've got clothes to wear this morning, you've got something to praise God for. If you had transportation to get here, you've got something to praise God for. If you've got a roof over your head, food in your cupboards, you've got something to praise God for this morning. Just take time right now to take stock of the blessings in your life. And in about a minute, we're going to have the worship team go ahead and lead us. But let's raise our voices all together across this room. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this